Welcome to the TEFL Training Institute podcast, the bite-sized TEFL podcast for teachers, trainers, and managers. <laughs> Hurrah! <laughs> Welcome to Dave Weller. You just stole my thunder. <laughs> I know. What can I say? Regular listeners will understand the joke. <laughs> Hello, everybody. So welcome back, Dave. Thank you. So today, I thought we could talk about something that is much needed and often much lacking, which is ethics in English education. <laughs> <laughs> A deep topic. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. But I, I don't know about you, but I, I've definitely found that most of the schools that I have worked in, not in all ways, but in, in some ways, been ethically lacking and I think it's something that we we don't often talk about, maybe. Or certainly we've not talked about it in this podcast before. I think it's something that teachers often talk about in teachers' rooms, right? With, like, problems with the, the ethics of schools. But I thought it would be interesting for us to debate here. Absolutely. I, I mean, people listening, it depends which context you're teaching in. But I think everybody, every teacher I've ever spoken to has a story or several stories to tell about unfairness, discrimination, prejudice. Definitely there's issues in the industry with with ethical behaviour. And I think maybe it's more important in teaching because for a lot of teachers, they maybe get into teaching because it should be a sort of a net positive profession. And it might be different to maybe some other higher paying jobs that are maybe more financially motivated. Whereas, you know, teaching, I think, very few people will get into it to make money, right? Oh damn! <laughs> too late you now. Can't? Is it too late to change my? Prof- I think it. I think it is at this point, Dave. Okay. Yeah. So I want to play a little quote from David Brooks, who's got a great book on this topic, talking to Sam Harris. What are the resume virtues and the eulogy virtues? The eulogy virtues and the resume virtues are things I more or less took from a guy named Joseph Soloveitchik, who was a rabbi in the mid twentieth century, and he said we have two sides of our nature. One side, which is about conquering the world and being majestic in it. And those are the resume virtues, the things that make us good at our job. And then the eulogy virtues are the internal side of ourselves, the the things they say about us after we're dead, whether it's um, being courageous or honest or capable of great love. We live in a culture that knows the eulogy virtues are more important. We'd all rather be remembered for our character traits rather than our career. But we live in a culture that emphasizes the career parts And we're just a lot more articulate about how to build a good career and how to build a good person. And our universities in particular are much more confident in talking about professional rise than a moral or spiritual rise. So I would say that's probably also true in our industry, that at least on all the training courses I've worked on, I don't ever remember ethics, really, or the ethics of education ever coming up on them. But obviously, we spend a lot of time talking about how to become a, a better teacher, but maybe not a better in terms of character, better in terms of ethics teacher. I would agree. It's interesting. I remember the old Greeks used to do several subjects, right? Like the triumvirate of um, like rhetoric, logic and ethics, because they saw it as inseparable from being able to lead a good life. So as actually teaching ethics to the young citizens of the time was was imperative and they would have thought it very strange not to do so. And yet it's something missing. Well, I never got taught ethics as a probably why I'm why I am now. <laughs> I thought we could start off with what are the ethics of charging people for education because obviously I think both you and I pretty much our entire careers maybe we've worked a little bit in government schools at some points but mainly it's been paying customers 
What do you think are some of the ethical issues or problems there? Any ethical question, you you have to look at all the variables behind it, right? So, you know, you have to look at people's income, their wealth, their what they are currently studying in government schools, their need, the company that's providing that education, its standards for their own teachers. And I think that the context is, is inseparable. So just to say in general terms, it's quite tough. At least I can see there being some advantages of having education in the private sphere rather than the public sphere. And in theory, at least, there should be more, you know, it's like in general, right? There there should be more pressure on providers to deliver a better service, right? Because you're getting all this pressure from your your competitors. Sure. Well, I guess if if government schools and um, services were perfect, there wouldn't be any need to have private education in the first place. I can see maybe the difficulty there is like, who do you decide to sell to or, or when? And you decide not to sell things to people like I've had uh, friends and colleagues maybe who've worked I think especially with adults maybe people who they know can't afford an English course or maybe they're working in a job where English is not going to benefit them very much or they know that this person doesn't have the study skills and most people are maybe encouraged to take out a large bank loan to pay for something sure. or even if the school or institution that's selling the courses it depends if they do so ethically you know if they have a different payment plan so you can pay monthly rather than in a yearly lump sum which makes it more affordable or if they are offering it to people who they think won't be able to complete it in time or they you know they have other pressures or what even how good their teaching is or which methodology do they follow is it up to date and evidence-based or if they follow an outdated system because it's easy to market and so we'll definitely get more sales and then also you need to look at the school's you know retention how do they you know, what are their results? Can they show that they've helped learners to learn? You touched on something there, this idea of rewarding teachers for, for example, students signing on, like re-signing contracts in private language schools, or I think demo conversion, so students come to like a trial class and they've paid or they've not paid. That, that I think, is an interesting sort of ethical question of whether that is something that should be rewarded. It's obviously something that shouldn't be punished, but is that a good way of judging people i mean i think there is there is one side of that in that you know if your students have signed a year contract and they've stayed with you for a year and they want to resign again then that probably does you know in aggregate with a lot of people say some positive things about you and maybe if they don't it says some negative things about you but there's obviously another side to that as well that then you're starting to judge teachers by how much money they're generating rather than how much learning they're generating well, precisely, Nick, because learning is such a long process, if a teacher is purely just entertaining, they're going to get a very high resign rate. Um, that doesn't mean learning happened. You know, while learning is hard, you know, you have to really think, you're perhaps frowning as you grasp a new concept, and that is, is leading to maybe a teacher not getting as high resign rate because the students don't want to think in class. They just, but they could be, the teacher could be technically brilliant and really adept at helping his students to learn. And if that teacher is disincentivized for, from that behavior and think, well, actually, I, I earn a decent salary, I enjoy where I'm living and I want to stay, they could well change their behavior to increase their whatever rate it might, they might be being judged on, especially yeah. if it's a financial one. You could imagine that being a vicious circle as well, where you would promote the people that get those metrics rather than the metrics maybe of learning, which are harder to measure. And then that just sort of reinforces that whole paradigm, doesn't it? That, that what we want is resigns and money rather than learning. 
Precisely, and this is actually a problem that I had years ago when I first became a DOS. So before all the technology that we're talking about, it was I, I was struggling with the idea of how to measure academic quality. And it's really hard to do because the only way you can do it as far as I can see is to directly observe it. And because we don't have any standard algorithm of what makes good teaching or what makes good learning, because it varies so much depending on the variables of the teacher and the students involved, that is only by direct observation you can see but it affects so many other met business metrics within the school. It can affect sales if you're doing you know, class, you know, referrals, it can affect your know, retention, you know, your service department. And so you can measure it through the effect it has on other things, but that is very tricky process and needs a lot of data. So if you have a, you know, a manager that's very business focused and you're an academic head, then trying to prove that becomes a real battle. And I just see that getting worse if the right things aren't measured with online, with all the extra data coming in, people could well take the easy solution and make those simple correlations. It's like the old management saying, what gets measured gets managed. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot easier to measure resigns or conversions, isn't it, than to measure learning, which is still a bit of a, an abstract idea, isn't it? And very, very difficult to actually assess. I think that's actually a Peter Drucker quote, and he actually has an extension to it as well, which most people don't say, which is, but make sure you measure the right things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh well, there we go. So maybe moving on then, let, let's talk a bit about like uh, teachers. I know this is something that you wanted to talk about. Like schools, I think in general, often ask teachers to do a lot of work and preparation and marking classes in their own time, right? If a school is upfront with how they pitch the job to teachers, then I think it's fine. But I think a lot of schools don't mention what their expectations are of work up front. So they might say, well, the job is this many hours per week for this salary. But then when the teacher starts work, they find, oh, sorry, there are also office hours you have to attend. There are extracurricular activities you also have to be present for. There are team building activities which are compulsory. And the list goes on. I'm sure listeners could add a lot more to that. And suddenly what was a thought to be a 40 hour a week job turns into 60 or 70 when, as you say, you add in preparation, marking, and even the horrible situation where teachers are buying their, you know, supplies from their own pocket as well. It's almost like schools taking advantage of the good nature of teachers, isn't it? Of wanting to do good things for their, sure. their students. I remember my dad, like growing up, my child, I remember him so often would like the, the living room floor would be strewn with these like cut out bits of old exam papers, which he was mm. copying and pasting to, to, oh, wow. to turn into like new tests for students that they hadn't had sure. before. And it, you know, it seems like obviously maybe teaching is different from other professions whereas if you're in sales or something and you're putting in many extra hours you're probably doing that partially at least in the expectation that you're going to get more money whereas I think teaching doesn't have that right it's almost like that the more you care about the students maybe the more time you're putting in but that you're not necessarily going to get any financial reward for that there's a, a saying like in England in the NHS um, they say it runs on goodwill because they do take advantage of the empathy that staff have. I do think that is very similar in the teaching profession as well. I also wanted to ask you about the idea of more and more surveillance in classrooms. So I think when both you and I started teaching, you know, there, there was no, there was very little oversight. Maybe your DOS would come in and observe you 
I don't know, for me, once a year if I was lucky, right? Maybe <laughs> maybe even less. <laughs> that explains a lot of us. It does, doesn't it? Whereas now, I think in offline teaching, you often have maybe cameras in classrooms. I think even more interestingly, in online teaching, mm. you have not just like cameras, because obviously everything is on camera, but everything that you do in every single class can be watched back both maybe by parents and by people measuring, you know, quality of classes and maybe more and more companies investing in AI to monitor teacher behavior. But I think generally in, in public life, at least people have a real sort of aversion to like facial recognition, whatever authorities using technology to track their behavior and their, their movements and everything. But I've not really heard anyone talking about this with teaching, but I'm not sure if I was a teacher now full-time, especially in online teacher and I knew that everything I said was being recorded and monitored with AI I'm not sure how comfortable I would be with that first of all the, the first thing that pops into my head there is the idea of privacy you know and intention privacy concerns from the students and I'm assuming they would all sign waivers so that their recordings could be used and reused for training purposes and shown to other people and that's where the intention comes. And I think if all this data is used with ethically sound principles in mind, I can't see too much of an issue with it. Um, so if you're using it to improve their learning, to personalize you know, resources, materials, and lessons, so they're better able to, to learn, then that is the positive side. I think it'll be interesting to see how that changes as the technology moves on and we get to a point when you know, technology knows every single word you've said in every single class to every single student and there's a record of that and there's even a record of every single facial expression that you might have made of in every single class mm. and I think all well, that's coming. Yeah. The immediate problem with that though is assuming good intentions you could still run into to pitfalls because if you have, say, you know, the ability for AI to recognize um, engagement through facial expression, you know, whether it be leaning forward in the chair or you know, smiling, eye contact with the camera, or however you, you, you judge those metrics, and that's equated with a good class because they're engaged, so they're more likely to re-sign. So that's a business metric rather than a learning metric. And teachers are rewarded for that. Then you could go back to the idea of, you know, just edutainment. Like the, the teacher is encouraged just to be entertaining rather than help the student to learn. I mean, interestingly, that data could also be used in aggregate to see what really works and what really doesn't in teaching. So that is very exciting. But it has this dark side, which I think we need to be very careful of. I think I've not really heard any discussions or, or anywhere else about the potential pitfalls of this. So I think it's really nice that you're kind of raising people's awareness now. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Thanks for coming on again, Dave. Do you want to give the blog a, a quick plug? Sure. So if you want to read more about these topics, then please visit uh, barefoottefelteacher.com. Great. Dave, thanks again for coming on. You're very welcome. For more podcasts, videos, and blogs, visit our website, www.tefeltraininginstitute.com. If you've got a question or a topic you'd like us to discuss, leave us a comment. And if you want to keep up to date with our latest content, add us on WeChat at TEFL Training Institute. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us on iTunes. Mm -hmm.